the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Welcome to That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. I'm your host, Nick DiGilio. I'm a podcaster, comedy writer, and performer, graduate of the Second City, and a Saturday Night Live expert and historian. And each week, we look back at everything SNL, the best, the worst, the good, the bad, the classic, the forgotten. We'll talk about full seasons and full casts, behind-the-scenes stories, episodes, sketches, SNL's historical significance, and much, much more. And sometimes I'll have guests, sometimes I won't. But with every episode, I will always prove that that tired cliche that you hear all the time, that show hasn't been funny in years, is absolutely wrong and definitely not true. And on this episode, uh, we're going to talk about one sketch in particular. I love to talk about just one sketch, uh, its origins, why it's funny, especially if it's weird. Uh, The very first episode of this podcast, and this is episode number 58, so you go back 57 episodes to the very first episode, which you should. It's archived at radiomisfits.com right here at the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Um, You should check it out. The very first episode that I did right out of the gate to establish the tone and how deep and how weird I'm willing to go with my love of uh, Saturday Night Live and my love of some of the stranger things about Saturday Night Live, stranger sketches, stranger uh, writers and cast members and things like that. I lean towards the weird stuff. I lean towards the 1250 stuff, the stuff that shows up at the end of the show that's test grounds for something strange, that bombed in dress, that's just too weird for the regular time slots. I like the weird stuff. So the very first episode of this podcast is entirely dedicated to the potato chip sketch, which um, was a Will Forte creation that featured Will Forte, Jason Sudeikis, and the host uh, that night was Blake Lively. And it's this insane sketch uh, that somehow takes place in a Southern Gothic kind of Tennessee Williams slash, uh, you know, Colonel Sanders world where these two guys are in this office that happens to be NASA. And Jason Sudeikis is this Southern gentleman who's kind of dressed up like uh, Colonel Sanders. And he's being interviewed by a crazy haired Southern gentleman played by Will Forte to be an astronaut. Um, and when Will Forte leaves the office for to get a form, um, uh, Jason Sudeikis eats one of his potato chips that's in a bowl on the desk after being told not to eat any of the potato chips. And then the sketch derails and goes off into surreal territory about screaming about people eating potato chips. And it ultimately climaxes with um, Jason Sudeikis' character upchucking, uh, regurgitating that potato chip back into Will Forte's uh, hand and then him dropping it, uh, the remains, uh, into the potato chip bowl. Uh, the sketch makes no sense. It's one of the weirdest things that's ever been on national television, and I love it. And so the very first episode that I ever did about this podcast was about the writing of it um, and how over the many years that that sketch aired, it has taken on this cultish quality 
And now people love it. And I remember when it first aired and I talked about it on my radio show, people were like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's very weird. And then people started to watch it on YouTube and they were like, what the hell is this? Um, didn't know quite to, what to make of it, but now it's sort of considered this cult classic. And Will Fitz, Will Fort, one of Will Forte's favorite sketches. It's Jason Sudeikis' favorite sketch that he's ever been in. And Jason Sudeikis, who was one of the best cast members in the history of Saturday Night Live, has starred in, featured in some of the f- most memorable, greatest, and funniest sketches in SNL history, a great writer as well. That's his favorite sketch, is this insane potato chip sketch. It's got an interesting history, so that's what I talked about. So, I wanted to kind of talk about one of my favorite sketches uh, today. Uh, the title of this episode is Your Son's a Witch. Um, <laughs> the sketch that I want to talk about, um, and it doesn't have as interesting a history as the potato chip sketch. The potato chip sketch was written and pitched a bunch of times uh, with different hosts, and it was actually performed with a different host at dress rehearsal and got cut in between. So there was more of a history to the potato chip sketch, uh, it, it, you know, how it started and, and how it was pitched and all of the hurdles that had to be jumped in order to get the damn thing on the air. The, the sketch that I'm talking about didn't really have all that. It did have an interesting history and it did, was pitched a couple of times. But it helps when the, the person who wrote the sketch um, was head writer for a long time um, and... Uh, and ran the writer's room for many years and wrote and, you know, collaborated on some of the greatest and weirdest sketches in Saturday Night Live history. It helps that that person is the, 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 the catalyst and one of the biggest uh, cast members is the star of the sketch. You'll get those sketches on. That'll happen. This sketch is actually titled uh, Dr. Beeman's Office Test Results. This was a sketch uh, that aired... On January 15th, 2000, that would be season 25, episode 10. And again, I give you the dates, the seasons, and the episode numbers so that you can look these up because these, uh, you know, the episodes are all available on Peacock. You can check out Peacock.com. If you don't subscribe, check out Peacock because they have almost all the episodes of Saturday Night Live, either um, the full-length versions or the edited versions that have been cut down over the years. But you can find virtually everything that I'm talking about on this podcast at Peacock. And if you can't find it there, you can look it up online, especially at SNL's YouTube channel. SNL has a YouTube channel where they archive a lot of the great sketches. And if you know where the sketch is from, what date it aired, it's easier to find. So I always give you the date, the season, and the number of the episode, and who the the hosts were and the musical guests were on everything that I talk about so that you can find it and actually watch it. I play back a lot of the sketches, which I'm going to do here, um, and, and some of them are great to hear, to listen to, and they're all great to listen to, but sometimes it's great to watch them as well. So anytime I talk about anything on this podcast, particularly sketches and things like that, I will let you know where to find them. So the sketch, uh, Dr. Beeman's Office, Test Results, aired uh, January 15th, 2000. That would be season 25, episode 10. The host was Freddie Prinze Jr., and the musical guest was Macy Gray. And again, I love going back uh, and looking at these, uh, at these sketches and, 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 and checking out the date in the year because sometimes it's very easy to figure out what time that was, that was happening. You could probably, even if I didn't tell you the date, if I said that the host was Freddie Prinze Jr. and the musical guest was J- Macy Gray, you could probably go, uh, late 90s, maybe early 2000s? Yeah, yeah, because it's a very fitting and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and very telling of what time period it was. So January 15th, Freddie Prinze Jr., host, Macy Gray, musical guest. And the sketch was actually pretty early in the show. This was not a 1250 sketch. And as you know, um, 
1250 sketches is where they test out the weird shit and the crazy stuff. But this is weird and crazy, but it was really early in the show. And it also does not feature the host. It's a sketch that does not, <laughs> that does not feature the host. Um, normally, you would have a host in these sketches, but Freddie Prince Jr. is nowhere to be found in this sketch. The sketch features Will Ferrell, um, Rachel Dratch, Molly Shannon, Chris Parnell, and Tim Meadows. All all stars. Uh, this was actually Rachel Dratch's first season. She was only a featured player and was not yet well known. Uh, had not done uh, you know all the main all the crazy characters that she did. The Lovas character, the Debbie Downer character. She was not. Uh, she people were just getting used to her. She was pretty new, and it was only ten episodes in. Uh, it was you know so it was about halfway through the season, a little less than halfway through the season. So people really didn't know who Ra- Rachel Dratch was at that point, and she only has a little bit of a cameo in this sketch. It's very funny. But people really didn't know. Or on the other hand, everybody knew Parnell, everybody knew Shannon, everybody knew Meadows, and everybody knew Farrell. Um, and so the sketch was populated by very popular um, cast members. So it was put up a little bit further up front than the 1250. But that doesn't make it any less weird. The reason why this sketch, to me, is so memorable is because it was written at the time when Adam McKay, um, who spent, uh, you know, he spent some time uh, as, a, as a writer on SNL, um, he was uh, he was there from 1995. He started on the writing staff in 1995. He served as head writer um, from uh, seasons 22 to 24, and he stayed on as a writer until 2001. So he was a head writer for three seasons, and when this sketch aired, he wasn't head writer anymore. Tina Fey had taken over as head writer, but he was still considered, you know, one of the best writers on staff and just stepped down as head writer, but still, you know, a lot of people showed them sketches, and he wrote a lot of great stuff. Uh, he partnered with Will Ferrell on a lot of sketches, on this being one of them. And he and Will Ferrell had a very similar sense of humor, which means weird, very, very strange. Uh, they they did a lot of sketches together, and, uh, and Adam McKay wrote a lot of crazy stuff for Will Ferrell. Um, so their partnership began pretty early on when Will Ferrell first joined the show. McKay was already there. He was established as a writer, and he knew a lot of the people and a lot of the cast members in the mid-'90s and 1995, 1996, that era. Uh, that era. Um, and he knew a lot of the guys and hung out with them, and they had a click, as is a normal thing to happen in SNL, in the offices. Uh, you tend to write for the people that you like. You tend to work with the people that you know. And when you share an office with someone, that's usually who you work with and uh, stay up all night and write stuff with. So there are cliques that are formed in certain offices and in certain hallways. Um, and in and among the cast members and the writers and producers of SNL, there are, um, you know, the cool crowd. It's, it's almost like high school. There are different cliques. You know, within your high school, within your classrooms, and within your cafeteria, and within your gymnasium, and all that stuff. The same thing holds true for Saturday Night Live. A lot of people have said that it's almost like high school. You form cliques, you get friendships, you work really hard with those people that you really, really like. You don't shun other people, but if you don't work well with them, you don't hang out with them, you don't write for them, that kind of thing. So Adam McKay was part of this clicky world, and uh, in comes Will Ferrell, who you know has a pretty impressive resume in terms of uh, you know some some comedy work and some stage work and some improv work, and uh, gets hired by by Lorne and uh, and uh, wants to fit in. And uh, you know at first they probably didn't really meet up and get along, but then once Adam McKay and Will Ferrell realized that they had a very similar sense of humor, which means really weird, really strange, really out there, crazy, sometimes surreal uh, shit that makes no sense. The weirder the comedy, the better. And then they, when they finally met, when they finally uh, hooked up, they wrote a lot of great stuff together. Now, here is a quick interview 
about how McKay and Farrell got together. Uh, this is Adam McKay, and he was on in, uh, a, a podcast called um, Improv Nerd, uh, Jimmy Coran. Uh, Corain was the is the host of that uh, podcast, and and he talked with uh, with McKay, who you know, and I'll tell you a little bit more about it because the partnership between Will Ferrell and Adam McKay uh, not only lasted through the time that McKay was left on SNL, where they wrote a bunch of sketches together and created a bunch of crazy images and characters and 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 things and great memories, but they would go on to actually actually, as you know, this form a production company, form a very successful uh, comedy uh, website, and then go on to do a series of very very successful very, very funny, and classic cult movies. So uh, how did it start? Well, Anna McKay uh, talks about it. Here. But then you, you, you start this great friendship and business, business partnership with Will Ferrell. Yeah. What is it about you guys that work so well together? I mean, it started uh, in the funniest way. I mean, it really just started. We all thought he was the straight man on the show. He's such uh, an unassuming guy. He's not a guy who's trying to be funny when he meets you. Kector, myself, Giannis, Tim Met, all of us are just doing bits nonstop. I mean, we're just a force of, and Colin Quinn and everyone. You're at Saturday Live. Right. We're all trying to make each other laugh. Farrell's just not. He's just really calm and he's kind of funny sometimes. And then the first read through, we all have our sketches, and this guy who just seemed like the blandest guy uncorks it in a way that you just cannot believe it. And it has like five of the funniest sketches I've ever heard in my life, and he's doing characters. And we all just look at each other and go, where the hell did that come from? Meanwhile, Laura, meanwhile, Will was jealous of us doing bits all the time. He wanted to be doing bits with us. He later told me this. So he started gravitating towards us and like doing bits with us. Because he's from Groundlings and you guys are all from Second City, I.O. Second I. City. And Chicago. he felt like he had lost a little something not being from Second City, like that we had heavier improv. And he just loved the bits. So pretty soon he just started coming in our office and he was hanging out with us and then he would start doing bits and we'd be like, this guy's really good at bits. And he would play him real deadpan and then all of a sudden we'd be like, wait a minute, this guy's really good at bits. And finally one day we wrote a sketch together and it was just so much fun. Neither one of us had a ton of drama about it. We made each other laugh. We put the sketch up and it killed. It was uh, Neil Diamond's Storytellers. And it was just a simple premise where Neil Diamond told the stories behind his uh, songs. It was an old VH1 show. They used to have all these people on. Yeah. Yeah. And all the stories behind his benign pop songs were just horrible stories of like hit and runs, you know, killing transients for kicks and just really dark stories. And the sketch killed. And we just loved doing it. So we kept writing with each other. And that was kind of how it began. Yeah. So that's uh, how they, they started. And then they would end up working together on some of the most memorable sketches and some of the great characters and some of the weirdest uh, things that has ever been on SNL, that have ever been on SNL. Um, you know, they mentioned the uh, he mentioned the Neil Diamond thing, and there's also the Robert Goulet thing uh, that they that they did the Robert Goulet, where Will Ferrell will do Robert Goulet. That was something that he and McKay wrote, and they became writing partners, where they worked on a lot of sketches together. Uh, a, a lot of the stuff that they did was classic. Uh, Celebrity Jeopardy was something that McKay came up with uh, that Will Ferrell and he combined uh, their writing on. So the the the. The Alex Trebek uh, stuff that that uh, that he did, and a lot of the stuff that was written uh, for uh, you know the Sean Connerys and all the other the Turd Ferguson, all that stuff. Adam McKay had his hand in that. Adam McKay created, uh, along with Will Ferrell, the Celebrity Jeopardy sketches. Uh, he was the guy who 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 came who did that, and Adam McKay is responsible for a lot of very very strong, funny, memorable stuff on SNL. 
Um, so you got your Celebrity Jeopardy. Um, you got your Bill Brasky. Bill Brasky. Bill Brasky. Those sketches where the guys have giant teeth and they talk about how Bill Brasky, this legendary guy um, who they used to work with, he, he, they, they, they tell about all these biblical stories, these, these mythical stories about the mythical Bill Brasky, this giant, huge man. And with each story told by each drunk uh, you know, co-worker of his as they drink giant glasses of booze, uh, gets crazier and more mythical and more impossible to believe until you see Bill Brasky at the end of the sketch. That's all McKay. That's all Farrell. And so they wrote a lot of crazy stuff. Get Off the Shed and, and its variants where Will Farrell plays the father and they're at a barbecue and the friends come over for the barbecue and Will is at the, at the grill and he's telling his kids not to climb on the shed and he gets more angry and more angry uh, to the point where like clearly this guy shouldn't be a father and you feel terrible and terrified for the children who uh, you might be feared that are going to be beaten if you leave. Like, get off the shed, I'll kill you, and all this other stuff. And there were variations on that. Some of them took place at Little League games, and some took place at other places, where Will Ferrell would build up in intensity, scream like a maniac in inappropriate ways. And uh, the the get-off-the-shed characters and uh, sketches were also very, very big at the time. Uh, Adam McKay had a little hand in the Roxbury guys. Um, He wrote uh, some of the Harry Carey stuff. That Will Ferrell did, uh, and let me just put it to you this way. If it was weird and Will Ferrell was in it in the um, late 90s, um, Adam McKay had something to do with it. So uh, if you think back at the weirdest stuff that Will Ferrell ever did on SNL, and that would happen weekly. Like there was always something, some sketch or moment where Will Ferrell would do something insane and strange. You could pretty much bet that he and Adam McKay did it together. Um, and one of my favorites is Dissing Your Dog, which was a commercial for, um, you know, disciplining your dog by, uh, by ripping it apart and, uh, and verbally abusing the dog. That's an Adam McKay, Will Ferrell sketch. And they do a lot of, they've done so many crazy sketches and memorable things. One of the ones that they did, in fact, it was a week after this Dr. Beeman sketch, which I'll play for you in a moment. Uh, the, the week after, or I'm sorry, two weeks after, on February 5th, 2000, when Alan Cumming was the host and J-Lo was the musical guest, that would be season 25, episode 11, there was a short film that Adam McKay wrote and directed that featured Ben Stiller, who wasn't even the host that night. Um, and it featured, you know, the regular, the other cast members, Jim Fallon was in there, Horatio Sands. Um, and it also featured Will Ferrell as Glenn Fry. And in it, uh, they challenge uh, Ben, the, you know, his buddies, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon and the other guys, challenge Ben Stiller to seduce Glenn Fry at a bar. They see him in a bar. And it's a short film that Adam McKay made, one of the first films that he ever directed. He did a, a few short films. This is one of the first ones that he did. And uh, very soon after that is when they launched the website. But anyway, uh, it's called The H is O. And it's short for The He's On, which was a big hit song that Glenn Fry had, which was in the Beverly Hills Cop movie. Um, and so the H is O is this short film that is full on Adam McKay, full on Will Ferrell and full on weird and kind of would establish the film work that they did. So Adam McKay wrote and directed this thing, uh, which features, like I said, Ben Stiller and Will Ferrell. It's called the H is O. You can check it out. It aired February 5th, 2000. Alan Cumming was the host. J-Lo was the musical guest. Season 25, episode 11. If you haven't seen it, Google that. Look for it, the HSO. And that is kind of the epitome of the kind of weird short film stuff that they would eventually do on a website that they created together called Funny or Die. Now, I know that you're aware of Funny or Die in the early days 
of socials, social medias, and you know your you know your YouTubes and your college humor. Um, in the early days of, of viral videos, um, Funny or Die became one of the very first places uh, to showcase and make exclusive comedy videos. And the brain trust behind that was uh, was McKay and Farrell. And they did Funny or Die. They did a, a very famous uh, a short film called The Landlord, which featured Adam McKay's daughter as Will Farrell's landlord uh, coming to get the rent from Will Farrell. And it featured Adam McKay's very young daughter uh, saying all kinds of inappropriate words that uh, a very young kid should not say. So Funny or Die took off, became a haven for comedians, and still out there, still a great place to see great original comedy and short films. Uh, and that Funny or Die took off, and that led to Adam McKay and Will Ferrell forming a production company and then moving on to feature films. So they started out meeting each other as writers and uh, you know as a writer-slash-performer on SNL, and you heard the story on how they met. They liked their sensibilities. They were suitably weird to each other, and they decided to write sketches together, and then they, then they started to write short films and do short films together and start the... Um, and start Funny or Die, which took off, and then that led to feature films. And uh, the feature films included Anchorman, you know, The Legend of Ron Burgundy and its sequel, Talladega Nights, uh, Step Brothers, The Other Guys, um, and a, a series of movies that were uh, co-written and directed by Adam McKay, featuring Will Ferrell and a lot of some of the same guys. Um, and everybody knows that Anchorman, which, by the way, was released and not a hit, and it took uh, video for it to take off, um, but they became obviously extremely successful, and those movies were weird and funny, and they had that very distinctive personality that Will Ferrell and Adam McKay had together, and so they took off. So, um, and then Adam McKay kind of went off on his own, uh, and they started to. The, the, it started with The Big Short. Um, after he did the second Anchorman movie, The Big Short came out afterwards, and that's when Adam McKay kind of broke away from the very funny, very weird, very silly, unbelievably silly stuff that he did with Will Ferrell. And he started to take himself very, very seriously. And now he's an Oscar-winning screenwriter. His movies have been nominated for Best Picture. And as far as I'm concerned, he has become unbelievably uninteresting, insanely pompous, and um, and treats his audience like they're dumb. Uh, you know, he, he he's made movies like The Big Short and Vice and Don't Look Up. Um and they get increasingly more pompous. They get increasingly more heavy-handed, where he's hammering the viewer over the head with one joke over and over and over again and one heavy-handed political left-wing message over and over and over again. I mean, Don't Look Up to Me is an unwatchable movie. Um, uh, you know, it's incredibly pompous and pretentious. Uh, and Adam McKay, in my opinion, has become this incredibly self-important writer-director who thinks that he's the smartest guy in the room and he's absolutely not the smartest guy in the room. Um, and since then, Will Farrell and he have, uh, have parted ways um, professionally. Um, uh, Will Farrell didn't like the direction that Adam McKay was going in with his creativity. He didn't like the attitude that Adam McKay had, becoming like the most important person on the planet. He thinks he's the most important writer and the smartest guy in the world. And Will Farrell was like, what the fuck happened to the guy that I used to work with and do funny and silly and weird stuff, but now this guy's message is more important than his comedy. And uh, being pompous and heavy-handed and slamming people over the head with his message is much more important than doing weird and crazy and funny stuff that he used to do with Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell was very upset because Adam McKay is the executive producer of, uh, uh, winning, of uh, winning Time on uh, HBO, which is about the L.A. Lakers in the, uh, in the 80s. 
and uh, Will Ferrell was supposed to be cast in that, and Adam McKay passed him over and gave that, that slot to John C. Riley, and that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, their partnership uh, completely broke up. They no longer create together. They no longer write together. And they no longer work together because the direction that Adam McKay went in was a much different direction than Will Ferrell wanted to go to and completely different than the stuff that they collaborated on, which was really silly and really funny and really weird and really wonderful. So unfortunately, uh, they've moved apart. Uh, but, you know, obviously Will Ferrell continues to be you know, a comedy god. He continues to do movies. He was just in Barbie, and he was hilarious as the president of Mattel in Barbie last year, only the biggest movie of the past couple of years, and a, a pop culture phenomenon, and he is a big part of that. So he continues to do his stuff. Adam McKay, obviously, has a lot of people who admire his work. Don't Look Up was nominated for Best Picture. It featured a cast of unbelievably big stars and huge names and award-winning actors and actresses. He won an Academy Award, so Adam McKay is doing fine. Will Ferrell is doing fine. They just don't work together. But there was a very special time in the late 90s and into the early 2000s on SNL when they worked together doing some of the most memorable and weirdest stuff that you've ever seen on SNL. And then that partnership continued through the early days of the internet with Funny or Die and then through a series of very successful and cult classic comedy movies like Talladega Nights and Anchorman and The Other Guys, which is my favorite of all of them, and Step Brothers. So there was a period of time when Adam McKay and Will Ferrell found each other they both had weird, crazy, wacky sensibilities, and they worked together for a bunch of years and created some of the best and funniest and most memorable and clearly some of the weirdest comedy of all time. One of my favorite sketches that they ever worked together was, um, as I mentioned, that's what this whole thing is about, Dr. Beeman's office test results. This sketch was written by Adam McKay with you know, collaboration with Will Ferrell, and it has all of uh, the, the weird uh, uh, qualities that you would find uh, in an Adam McKay Will Ferrell sketch. Uh, the dialogue sometimes makes absolutely no sense. The characters get aggressively mean and weird. Uh, they say things that, that, that are completely incongruous, that, that don't make any sense. Uh, there, are a lot, <laughs> there are a lot of sentences that just, when put together, sound funny, but in the real world, what? Um, and the characters are mean to each other. They're weird. They insult each other. Um, uh, and if you, it, it seems like when you watch a really quintessential Will Ferrell, Adam McKay driven sketch, it's like you've dropped into the twilight zone. So this episode, this sketch that I'm talking about is as though you are watching a doctor's office visit, but it's in the twilight zone. Characters say stuff that don't make any sense and all that other stuff. Now, here's one of the, uh, one of the, uh, sort of summations of, uh, this sketch. Now this sketch again, as I mentioned, um, aired on January 15, 2000. That's season 25, episode 10. Um, in the sketch are Will Ferrell, Molly Shannon, Chris Parnell, Rachel Dratch, and Tim Meadows. Here's a quick summation of, uh, of, of that, uh, of the sketch. And by the way, the writing staff uh, that season, well, first of, all, first of all, here's the cast from that season. This is from season uh, 25, which was a great season. This, in fact, was the first season that Tina Fey was head writer. But your, your, your cast was Jimmy Fallon, Will Ferrell, Anna Gasteyer, Daryl Hammond, Chris Kattan, Tim Meadows, Tracy Morgan, Sherry O'Terry, Chris Parnell, Colin Quinn, Horatio Sands, and Molly Shannon. And your featured uh, uh, cast member was Rachel Dratch. A great cast, and uh, a cast consisting of some newbies and some people who have been there for a long time. Um, and Tina Fey just coming in as the new head writer, and she would obviously go on to an incredible tenure uh, uh, on SNL. 
And the you know the the the, the writers included Kevin Brennan, Robert Carlock, who would go on to create Thirty Rock with Tina Fey, uh, Jerry Collins, Stephen Craig, um, uh, Tina Fey, obviously Hugh Fink, who was a writer and a performer for many years on SNL, Steve Higgins, who uh, is still works with SNL and is the uh, the announcer and sort of co-host of the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Uh, his son is making headway on SNL. I don't think he's funny, but he's on the Please Don't Destroy videos. Tim Hurley, he who was a legendary writer. Adam McKay, Lauren Michaels, uh, Paula Pell, perhaps the greatest female writer in the history of SNL who wrote some of the funniest female-driven sketches in the history of that show. She came back a few weeks ago when Kate McKinnon was the host. Not only did she write some stuff for that episode, but she also appeared in that episode. T. Sean Shannon, who wrote some of the weirdest shit ever. Robert Smigel. Um, who is one of the classic writers who created the Superfans, who wrote so many memorable and incredible sketches for SNL, worked a lot with Adam McKay. Smigel and Adam McKay worked a lot together as well. So, the, the, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about um, an incredible, write, incredible writers um, and, uh, you know, a, a great head writer at a time when the show was really great with a great cast. So the sketch, this, the sketch that I'm about to play is... Um, you know, it's it's it, it 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 is it involves a couple who are going to check on their baby with their doctor, and the doctor is played by Will Ferrell. He's Doctor Beeman. Uh, he is weird, incompetent, rude, um, and says awful things to this couple. And it builds and builds and builds until he calls in Tim Meadows, and uh, Tim Meadows comes in. Uh, something happens. Tim Meadows does something. And, uh, and this is one of the first times that Will Ferrell, one of the only times that Will Ferrell has ever broken on camera. Uh, everybody breaks on stage uh, when Tim Meadows comes out. Because Tim Meadows, because uh, this, this sketch, by the way, bombed during dress. So during the live broadcast, Adam McKay ran backstage. Tim Meadows was supposed to make his entrance as Dr. Poop, you will hear, to uh, give this concerned couple some information about their baby. And that's why they're there. They want to get information about their baby. And the doctor, you know, doesn't know what's going on because he's incompetent and he's rude and he's weird and he's Will Ferrell. So they bring in Tim Meadows and um, Adam McKay runs up to Tim Meadows right before he makes his entrance and whispers into his ear, just go out there uh, and, and do something weird. Uh, uh, say your line, but then do something weird and then say that 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 costs $5,000 and just leave. So this is, you know, while the sketch is happening. So... Molly Shannon, Chris Parnell, and Will Ferrell are on the sketch, are on the stage doing the sketch. The sketch is going over weirdly and well, I guess. People are laughing at the rudeness and the surrealism of the dialogue. And then Tim Meadows was supposed to come in and do something that they had done during rehearsals and during dress, and he came out and did something completely different. Uh, and then said that'll be $5,000 and walked out. And what he did was the robot. He does the robot, the dance from the 70s, the break dancers do in the 80s and into the 90s and so on and so forth. And uh, they didn't know he was going to do it because literally right on the other side of the door, Adam McKay whispered to Tim Meadows to do something weird and say that'll be $5,000 and just walk out because there was no good punchline to what Tim Meadows did. So Will Ferrell didn't know he was going to do it. Chris Parnell didn't know he was going to do it. And Molly Shannon didn't know he was going to do it. And as a result, Molly Shannon loses her shit. So does Will Ferrell. The only person that maintains it and doesn't break is Chris Parnell. So that adds to the surrealism of this sketch. So what you have is this perfect storm. You have this insane, rude, weird sketch written by Adam McKay and Will Ferrell. You have Will Ferrell doing that crazy character, and you'll hear all about it. You've got the brilliant Chris Parnell and the brilliant and wonderful Molly Shannon in there. 
Tim Meadows comes in, does something that he wasn't supposed to do, and Rachel Dratch plays the weird secretary. And they end up breaking, and everybody on stage loses it, and it's one of the few times that Will Ferrell almost can't continue in a sketch because he was always very good at keeping a straight face, always. He broke a couple of times in sketches here and there, not very often. Uh, he broke during Cowbell, and he broke during maybe one of the Lovers uh, sketches in the hot tub. In the hot tub. In the hot tub. Uh, but this one, he barely could keep it together. He's rubbing his eyes. Physically, you know that at any moment he's going to lose his shit. And Molly Shannon is gone. After Tim Meadows leaves, the whole thing derails, and it becomes about unbelievably brilliant comedic performers laughing their asses off and Chris Parnell holding it together, and that's what it is. So it's this perfect storm of weird Adam McKay, weird Will Ferrell, improvisation, working on the fly, changing it while they're live, Tim Meadows doing something that throws everybody off. And the result is, I think, one of the weirdest and funniest sketches in SNL history and one of my favorites. So that's the history behind it. Um, a typical weird, typical weirdness from the lovely uh, uh, Adam McKay and, uh, and Will Ferrell. And the result is Dr. Beeman's office and the test results are here. So here it is in its entirety. One of the strangest, one of the weirdest, and one of the greatest sketches... That involves breaking uh, of all time. Here it is. I'm sorry. You have the wrong number. No, there's no Mark here. My name? It's Mark. No, I spell it with a C. Who put you up to this? What do you mean you're my wife? Okay, if you're my wife, what's our cat's name? Mr. Stitches. Damn, you're good. Doctor, the Framinghams are here to see you. Oh, good. Send them right in. By the way, can I get Tuesday off for a modeling job? Absolutely. <laughs> Hi, hello, Tom. Hello, Doctor. Kathy, very good to see you. Please have a seat. So how is our baby? Well, I don't want to keep you in suspense here, so we'll just get right into it. Hold on. Hello? Beverly! How the hell? What? No! Old Chester? A Palomino? Well, they're beautiful! Yes! They're gorgeous! Beautiful golden fur! Uh-huh! Yes! Why, well, I've got all the time in the world! <clears throat> oh, actually, Beverly, I should go. One of my patients is being a real knob job. Excuse me? Yeah, that was him. You know how it is, Beverly. <laughs> All right. What's that? No. No, he doesn't look like that. Close, though. <laughs> He's looking at me right now. His big, sweaty, fat face sucking in air like a dying fish. You should see him. Between you and me, I'd like to stomp on his head till my foot's covered in brains. We can hear you. At least his wife's got a big enough ass for a nice roll in the hay. <laughs> All right, Beverly. Goodbye, old friend. Sorry, I was just uh, subscribing to some magazines. No, you weren't. Now, where were we? Oh, right. Your father may never again have what we call a human face. What? We're here about our baby. Who are you people? 
The Framinghams. We gave birth to a baby a week ago, and you were supposed to give us test results. Are you Brian and Cheryl Framingham? No. Blowfish and Funk Framingham? No, for God's sakes. Jennifer, get the F in here. Yes, doctor? Who are these people? They're Tom and Kathy Framingham from Mount Oak. They have a baby, Shane. My God. Tom and Kathy, I, I feel like an idiot. Of course, your son Shane, he's fantastic. Now, quick phone call to Beverly to get the details on his new Palomino, and then I'll give you the test results. Yeah, we, we haven't seen our son in a week. We want to know You how... shut that mouth, Tom. I will not. You will if you're in my office. I will not shut up. Tom, please. And tell that Asian wife of yours to shut up, too. <sighs> you are really being awful. Believe me, I know. But you're all going to need to shut up. Are we clear on that? Good. Now, I'm going to tell you this quickly, and it's probably going to sting a little bit. Your son's a witch. What? Oh, my God, no! This is ridiculous. There's, there's no way to yes, determine. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Jennifer, please send in Dr. Poop. And yes, laugh all you wanted his last name, but he is the man who could very well save your son's life. Tom, Kathy, I'm Dr. Stephen Poop. I'm sorry, there's absolutely nothing I can do for your son, but I can do the robot. That'll be $5,000. Good day to you both. What the hell was that? Look, I couldn't think of anything good. Uh... The truth is... We misplaced your baby. You Vodruk! Is that an actual curse word? I think so. Listen, when did you misplace our baby? It was right after we delivered him. I, uh, I went out to grab a bite to eat, and I forgot I had him with me. Then I met some friends for a beer. Uh, we went to a Bodine's concert. And son of a Vondruk, if I didn't leave him at the concert hall. Thank God they had him the next day at Lost and Found. <sighs> then I just flat out lost him. Doc, I gotta tell you, you have angered me with your irresponsibility. And yet, at the same time, you were a straight shooter. And I can't fault you for that. We'll let it slide. But just this once. Honey! Now, let's go start making another Ew, one. No, you are totally grossing me out! Oh, you're being creepy! Thank God. Yikes! That was a rough. So, uh, and if you listen closely, you can hear Ron Burgundy. <laughs> you can hear the little creation of Ron Burgundy. So there's a little bit of Dr. Beeman in Ron Burgundy. 
Um, I love that sketch. It's so weird. It's so insane. Uh, yeah, and it is. It is to me. It's the absolute quintessential typical Adam McKay, Will Ferrell uh, sketch. Uh, and everybody else in it is really funny. And when Tim Meadows walks out, does the robot walks out and leaves, um, and none of them on stage knew he was going to do that. Only Chris Parnell. Uh, is the only one who stays in in, in character. Uh, Molly Shannon is losing it. She's laughing her ass off, and so is Farrell. So anyway, the incredible weirdness of Dr. Beeman's office test results, um, that's what this sketch is all about. And again, uh, check out all of the weirdness that Adam McKay did and uh, Will Farrell did in the movies on Funny or Die, the classic clips from the early 2000s, uh, and the great sketches that they did together. It was a great partnership. Um, and to me, that is the best example of the comedy of Will Ferrell and Adam McKay as they combined on Saturday Night Live. So there you go. Hey, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. If you would like to leave a voicemail with your comments or suggestions for other future shows, uh, it's 773-417-6948. It's open 24-7. Anytime you want to make a comment about SNL or this podcast, I would love to hear from you. If you want to email me, you can email me at this podcast and my other podcast, which is the Nick D Podcast here at Radio Misfits. You can email me at nickdpodcast at gmail.com. So 773-417-6948, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Radio Misfits, Edsilla. Check out our 24-hour streaming service, radiomisfits.live, and all the other incredible podcasts, which you should share and rate and review on every platform. Thank you for checking us out. Thank you to Jason Skaggs, because he wrote the opening theme that you heard and performed it, and he writes this closing theme that you are now to hear and uh, that he now is performing. There you go. Once again, thanks for checking us out. This episode was Your Son's a Witch. Hope you enjoyed it. I'm Nick DeGilio. We'll see you next time on that show. Hasn't been funny in years. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow. <laughs>